Psalm 22 and verse number 19 in Psalm 71. I got two passages I'd like to read here this morning, and I really, I really, really, really want to communicate this the way uh, that God gave it to me in a way that'll, that'll help you, in a way that's, that's uh, true to the Scripture. And it's really going to be a heart cry, and my title will come from the Scripture itself. Psalm 22, 19, say amen when you're there. Psalm 22, 19. The Bible says, But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. <laughs> that sounds weird. We'll try to explain that a little bit here this morning, though. I, and then David said, as a result of that, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation. He said, in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. If you want to know why there's so much praise going on in this building, it's because there's a lot of people in this building that have been delivered by the Lord. That's right. This, this is not about just vociferous noise and it's not, oh, you're all Pentecostals and you, that's what you do. No, it's not what we do. It's who we are. And it's a result of where we've come from. That's why we, we praise when we bring to our recollection, our mind, where we used to be. And that's what David's saying here. He said, God got me out. And he said, because of that, when I come to church in the midst of the congregation, he said, I'm going to praise God. That's what we do. We praise God because he's been good to us. He's been near to us. Similar refrain to be found in Psalm 71 and 9. Uh, and there's, there's probably at least four, four instances in the book of Psalms I could bring to your attention that reiterate the same, the same uh, feeling from David's heart. But this is the second one that I'll give you. Cast me not away. Notice what David says. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Isn't that true? I mean, through all the stages and ages of life, I want, I want God to be with me. That's what David's communicating. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For mine enemies speak against me. And that's what happens when you're weak and you're in adversity. The enemies either, they'll show up physically or they'll start trying to whisper in your ear. Mine enemies speak against me and they lay, they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together saying, look at, look at him, look at the condition he's in. God hath forsaken him, persecute and take him. The lousy, cruel accusations of the enemy that come against you when you're down. That's when the enemy comes against you when you're down. That's when he speaks lies to your soul. Look at you, look at where you're at right now. Look at, look at this condition. You say you live for God and look at where you're at. Obviously, look, it must be, must be because God has forsaken you. What a lie. You say, for there's none to deliver him. False accusations are being made. The enemies of our soul have to say these horrible things when we're down. Man, I feel Jesus here today. But this is the proper response. If you find yourself in this position, notice what David says. Oh God, be not far from me. I'm being accused, I'm down, but I'm not out, and the enemy's speaking to my soul. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste for my help. 
Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. That's what I'm going to do. He makes a statement that I want to extract out of the scripture. He makes it in both these occasions and at least, I think, two other occasions. This is what he says. He says, be not thou far from me, O Lord. And I want to preach this morning, be not far from me. Can we lift our hands to the Lord? Can, can you pray that prayer together with me in Jesus' name? Hallelujah, holy God. Bring encouragement, bring strength, bring life. Oh, hallelujah. Help us, Lord, to learn like David did, to give voice to our soul. When our soul, God, feels alone, when our soul, oh God, oh, hallelujah, feels under attack, teach us to speak these words. Teach us to have this approach. Let there be a desperation in our soul to make our way to an altar, O oh God, to a place of fellowship and communion, to a place, God, that you invade our lives all over again. And that we would pray, be not far from me, O Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Let's love him one more time. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, be not far from us, O God. Be not far from us, O Lord. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Be not far from me. There are so many things in life that the closer they are, the better, the better that it is. Amen? If you play horseshoes, you know that the closer you get, the better off that you are. If you're, it's cold outside, we just recently had a, a get-together on a Wednesday night. It was, it was a good time, I think. And uh, we ate lots of pies. We, we ate lots of soup. But I saw people huddling around barrels, David Lean's barrels that were filled with wood. And, and what I noticed was when people are cold, the closer to the fire that you can get, the better that you can warm up. It's better. Some things are better up close. Uh, courtside seats, always you pay more of a premium for them. Courtside seats. If you're going to attend some game, the best seats are the ones that's closest to the action and what's going on. That's why I think the front row in church is really good. Amen. To some people, it's the corner office. The corner office, what does that mean? That means access. That means you're in a, you're in a, you're in a special place. It's proximity. It's, it's the special place you're at. Someone opens a door for you and introductions are made to the right people. It often presents unique opportunities that you maybe wouldn't have had had you not known this person. Do you know sometimes it's not what you know as much as it is who you know? I hate to tell you, but sometimes that's, that's just the truth. Something may, may be great, but at a distance, sometimes it can be unreachable and inaccessible. And if it's out of reach, it doesn't really do you any good if it's way out there. If you're, if you're drowning in six-foot swells and the preserver is 20 feet away, it won't help you. You need it close to you. That's why the saying, some say this, that a bird in hand is better than... I always thought it was six in a bush, but we'll take your two in a bush. 
a bird in hand. In other words, I'd rather have it here than just the idea of maybe somewhere out there. It, it, it'll be there. I'd rather have it here. I'd rather have it, I'd rather have it close. And so we're talking about closeness this morning, and sometimes distance can be measured in inches. This is my fat max, by the way. If you're going to buy a tape measure, it's the only one you should buy. Distance can be measured, except that's not supposed to happen. Right, David? How far can a fax max go? Haven't we all done this in the middle of the store? How far will it go? I'm at 11 feet. 12 feet. Oh! And you know, we use a tape measure to measure distances sometimes. We measure distance with, with a tape measure. But do you know, sometimes distance isn't measured in inches or feet. We measure that way. We say inches, we say feet, we say yards, we say miles. We speak in terms of light years. A light year is, the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. If you could get in a rocket ship and travel at that speed for a year, that's a light year. That's, that's a distance. And so we measure physical distances. But you know, distance isn't just measured in inches and feet. Inches, it, it can also be measured in access. And what I want to preach about this morning is, is not just inches and feet and being close in necessarily just physical proximity, but distance is also measured in the access that we have and the openness and the availability, if you will. You know what I'm talking about? Because this is what I mean. If you, you can work at a bank and, and, or you can walk into a bank and you can be six inches from $100,000 from a million dollars in a bank vault. But I mean, just because you're three inches from it doesn't mean you have access to it. You know what I'm talking about? Unless you have the key, unless you have access to it, you, you can be close, but so far. You, you can get into an elevator and standing next to you is none other than the illustrious Elon Musk. He's standing right next to you, but it doesn't mean that you have access to his brains, his brilliance, or his resources. He may be standing right next to you, but it doesn't mean that you have available everything that is his. You can be inches away from genius and yet not have access to it. You can be two feet from someone, you can smell their body odor, but be a thousand miles away in terms of emotional proximity. What I'm preaching about this morning, I'm talking about proximity and what I really want to talk about this morning, I haven't come to talk about Elon Musk or Musk or, <laughs> I haven't come to talk about just uh, whatever, inches and feet. I've been t I'm here this morning to talk about what about when God comes close to us? So I'm here to talk about this morning. What about when God is near to, what about, what about, what about Pentecostal? What about when God shows up? It's one thing to know about God. It's one thing to have more degrees in the thermometer. It's one thing to be a theologian. It's one thing. Do you realize how many people in America own Bibles? 
You know how many people in America claim to be Christians? I think the percentage is up in the 70% somewhere. People that talk about, I'm a Christian, I believe in God. It's one thing to believe in God. It's one thing to have a head knowledge about God. Listen up. But it's, it's a completely different thing to have God close to you, to have God near to you. It's one thing to have a theoretical, theological knowledge of God. It's another thing to have God close to me. What I'm preaching about this morning is I want God to be close to me. I want God to be near to me. When we talk about God being close to us, what do we mean by that? We, need, we mean that there is a favor that comes into our life. That's why I need to do more than just come to church. I need to be more than just religious. I need to do more than just say I'm Catholic. I need to do more than just say, well, I'm a Presbyterian. And I'm going to hurt some of you. It needs to be more than me just saying, well, I'm a Pentecostal. It means more than just saying I'm in proximity or I go to that church. What I'm saying here today is what we have got to have in our lives is the closeness of God, the presence of God, the nearness of God. When we talk about him being close, we talk about his favor in our lives. We, if God will get close to you, listen, you have access and you have relationship and you have concern and you have the love of God and you have his personality, you have his truth, you have his light, you have his judgment. You you have the help of God in your life. I'm telling you, there's nothing in this life that you can't go through. If God be for us, who can be against us? If all the world is against me and no one understands me and I may feel all alone in this world and yet somehow or another, if I've got God close to me and the presence of God is close to me and I've got the affirmation and the blessing of the Lord in my life, listen, there's nothing in this world that I can't go through if God is with me. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. My goodness, when God is here, when God's presence is here, his benevolence, his kindness, his restoration. I want you to know if you're here this morning and you're far from God, all you've got to do is reach out to him. It's one thing to say, I know God, I've known God, I know the doctrine, I know the truth, I know this, I know that. But at some point, what has to happen in every one of our lives is we open up the aperture of our heart and say, okay, God, I've known about you here, but I got to know about you here. I've had you in my mind, but I got to get you in my heart. I've known everything that I'm supposed to know. I got it here, but somehow, God, I've got to open my life. I've got to open my life so that you'll show up in my life in a brand new way. Be not far from from me, oh Lord. Whatever happens, don't be distant from me, oh God. I can handle anything in this life, but what I cannot handle is the idea that God's a million miles away from me. Oh Lord, I need you to be close to me, oh God. I need you near to me, Lord. I need your presence close in my life. Okay, I'm going to lay it out here this morning. I'm just going to lay it out here. It's the only way I know how to do it. There, is one, there, there are a number of things, but one of the prominent things that distinguishes this church, listen up, church, I don't ever want us to forget this. 
One of the things, one of the things, one of the vital things uh, that will distinguish this church that is so important is that we who are in this church understand something. And what we understand is this, uh, is we've got to have the presence of God in our midst. Uh, We've got to have a move of the Holy Ghost in our midst. Uh, Do what we must. Uh, Call us foolish if you will. But we know one thing, and that is this, uh, that we've got to have God with us. Uh, We've got to have the anointing of the Spirit. We've got to have a touch of the Holy Ghost. Uh, They can say what they want. They can make fun. They can mock, and they can disparage. Uh, But the one thing that we know that we know that we know that we know uh, is that the defining factor in our lives uh, is that God is close to us. We must have the presence of God. We've got to have the presence of God. We must, from the front to the back, from the side to the side, we've got to have him in our midst. I don't care if you're first generation, doesn't matter to me. I don't care if you were raised in this thing, you were raised under a pew, mommy and daddy brought you to church in your second generation. We celebrate that, we commemorate that. Thank God, it's all good, it's fine, it's dandy. I don't care if you're third generation. But every single one of us have gotta recognize this same fact that as a church, we've got to have him near us. We've got to have his presence close to us. Oh, I can't live with without him, not just in my head, but in my heart, not just in my midst, but in my heart. I've got to have God close to me. Be not far from me, oh Lord. There are some that will call it emotionalism. I'm not saying that. I want to clarify some things. It's not just emotionalism. Okay, let me clarify something else really importantly this morning. It's not just hype. First, second, third generation Pentecost, this isn't just hype. This isn't just volume that comes out of these speakers. This isn't just uh, professionalism and excellence. Uh, It's not that. God does deserve our best, and we're going to give him our best. Uh, But it's not professionalism. We don't need professional Pentecost. Uh, We need guts and fire, heartfelt, uh, desperation, uh, hunger and thirst after God. Uh, Not just I go to church. uh, Not just I'm a river of lifer. But, oh, God, I've got to have your presence in my life. Uh, I can't allow another Sunday to go by where I'm driving as popcorn and peanut butter sandwich. I need more. I've got to come out of this thing. I need God in my life. I need the presence of the Lord in my life. I need Jesus. I need God here, God now, and God near to where I am. That's what I've got to have. And may we never, ever lose the passion and the desperation to have God close to us. One of the things that distinguishes us is that simple fact. We don't have all the answers, but he's got the answer. And if somehow he'll show up, if somehow he'll show up, everything, everything can be better. I want to be so simplistic here this morning. I tell you what sometimes we need, we need to pray through. <laughs> That's old fashioned. Can I be old fashioned here this morning? Old fashioned here this morning. Sometimes what we need to do is we need to just pray through. 
Sometimes what we need to do is get beside ourselves. I don't care how you do that, where you do that, when you do that. It, it, it's immaterial. But sometimes what we need, we don't need another counseling session. Sometimes what we need, we don't need more YouTube. Sometimes what we need is we don't need another movie. Sometimes what we need, we don't, we don't need some other distraction. Sometimes what we need, very simply, is just a touch of God in our hearts, in our lives, in our mind, in our spirit, in our soul. Sometimes what we need is a move of God in our life. And if God moves in my life, my situation may change, not change. The things around me may not even get better. They may stay the same. They may get worse. But guess what? If, if God will touch me, the, the situation may not change, but I'll change in the middle of my situation. And sometimes, I hate, to, I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings here, but sometimes your situation isn't going to change. And sometimes God is not going to change it. And we pray for the miracle, and we want this, and we want that, and there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes God will do that. But can I tell you, sometimes God will leave us in the middle of our situation, and what he's going to do is not change our situation. What he'll do, if we'll be desperate and hungry for him, he will change us in the middle of our situation. He'll lift us in the middle of our situation. Oh God, help us. Help me as a preacher not to be guilty of falling into American Christianity. What do you mean by that? I got a message I'm working on. I was on it late last night studying tribulation worketh patience. When's the last time you heard about a message about suffering? <laughs> that sound exciting? Let's talk about suffering. No, let's talk about health and wealth. That's America. That's TV preachers. I ain't going to be a TV preacher. I want to be a Bible preacher. Tribulation worketh patience. It worketh patience. Tribulation worketh patience. It's the, it is steadfast endurance. That's what patience is. Steadfast endurance. You know, sometimes when you go through adversity, you may not even realize it, but it's building something inside of you that you didn't have before the trouble came. Because when the trouble comes, you want the trouble to disappear. And what God says is, no, I'm going to leave the trouble for a little while because it is building endurance in your life. You're learning how to have a stiff upper lip. You're learning how to put faith in God. You're learning how to stand strong, that when the going gets tough, you, you hit your knees in prayer. You build it. Tribulation works. It works some things. It'll bring things into your life. And the result of all these things is it brings hope, and the hope maketh not ashamed. And we learn sometimes when everything is stripped away, there's one thing I got to have in my life. I need God. That's what I need. I need God. I need God. And God can bring the deliverance. And God can bring the help. And God bring the hope. But if he doesn't, I'm still, I'm going to have God if he doesn't bring the deliverance. I'm going to have God. I'm going to have him. He will be my consolation. He will be the prize. He will be the strength. I've got to have God near. Be not far from me, O Lord. It is terrible to be left alone. Some of the church kids may, may have experienced some time in their life. Remember, Caleb was about, I don't know how old he was. He was four or five years old. And we got home one Sunday night. It was 8.30. We got home, walked in the door, and we're like, where's Caleb? <laughs> and we left him. 
at church. <laughs> you got forgotten. It's a terrible feeling. <laughs> to be forsaken or rejected would be a terrible, terrible thing. To be alone, to be alone. David in Psalm 71 and 9 says, Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength Faileth. What, what is he communicating? He's communicating vulnerability. He said, I'm vulnerable right now. Anybody beside me ever felt this way before? Have you ever felt this way before? If you're a human being, all of us at some point in our lives, God's going to engineer a situation in our life where whether you're 10 years old, 30 years old, 90 years old, there will be a time in your life where you feel like you're all alone. And God's going to let it be that way. He said, I'm vulnerable. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. He said, mine enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him. Isn't that what happens when you feel alone? Come on, talk to me, church. Isn't that how you feel sometimes? When you're alone, don't you feel sometimes? It's the human condition, and it's the enemy of your soul. The enemy of your soul will tell you that in the middle of your trouble, when you're all alone, the enemy will tell you that God has forsaken you. The enemy will whisper in your ear and say, where's God? Look at you. Look at where you're at. You're all by yourself. God doesn't care nothing about you. And it is absolutely a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie. It's a way the enemy wants to try to get you further down from where you're at. And thank God, here's the king that's letting us know what it's like to feel this way. This is real. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. That's what the enemies of our soul have to say. You're, you're always going to be in this situation. It's never going to end. It's going to be never-ending, the situation that you're in. And to these accusations that were brought against his soul, listen to David's response in verse number 12 of Psalm 71. Oh, God... Be not far from me. Whatever you do, Lord, don't be far from me. Oh, my God, make haste for my help. When he's feeling God forsaken, when the enemy is coming against his soul, what did he say? Did he just bury these feelings? Did he just become a pretender? Just a pretender? One thing about the Psalms, can I tell you what? You don't need volume. You don't need to sit on a counselor's couch at $200 an hour. You need to read the book of Psalms. <laughs> you say, poor David was so maladjusted. No, he was actually very well-adjusted. He was a real human being that embraced the full human experience and recognized something. What he recognized is the way that you get through some things in life, let me tell you how you do it. You learn how to process it with God. You learn how to bring it before the Lord. Sometimes in all of its ugliness, you got to bring it before God. Come on, I'm, I'm preaching the church to get real. Sometimes, and, and you may want to find a place where you can be alone because it may get really ugly. Snots flying everywhere. You're saying stuff, you're like, man, I hope the door is shut tight because I don't want nobody to know about this. And that's all fine and good because nobody does need to know about it. But you know what? God can know about it. And you can pour out. David said, I poured out my complaint before the Lord. He brought it before God. He found himself in a place of prayer and he got, he got downright real with God. He got real with God. He got desperate with God. But at the core of it all, he says, oh, God, be not far from me. 
Lord, somehow or another, I need you close to me. Lord, I'm getting close to you. I'm being real with you, and I need you to be close to me. Oh, God, be not far from me. Oh, my God, make haste for my help. I like what he says here. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But David says, I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This is simple. This is simple. He said, when I'm going through those kind of situations, what I'm going to do is, God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you, Lord. I'm I'm, going to get close to you. What does that mean? I will do what I have always done. Because when you feel this way, this is when you start getting squirrely if you're not careful. How many know what I'm talking about? When you're tempted and you're low and you're broken and the enemy's saying you're forsaken, you're like, well, might as well just go get drunk. Might as well just go get stoned. What's it all matter? And the enemy starts lying to your soul. But what you say is, oh, God, I'm going to do what I've always done. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to church. Listen up. My habits, they will make me or they will break me. But this habit is going to make me. What you're going to do, sometimes you're going to grab yourself by the nap of the neck. You say, I'm getting up. I'm going to church. I'm, I'm going to worship God. I'm getting up. I'm going to prayer. That's what I'm going to do. I'm having a terrible, rotten, very bad, no good day. What you going to do? You going to cry in your beard? No, we don't drink beer. What you going to do? No, we're go- I'm going to go to prayer. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to God. Oh, God, be not far from me. Be not far from me. Lord, I'm crying out to you. And can I tell you, when God hears that kind of prayer, he draws near to the sincere. He draws near to the real. He draws near to us in our time of trouble when we draw near to him. Now, I think it's really important in our Christian development to understand some things. Now, if we read David's life, David's life was full of high highs and they were full of low lows. I preached a message years ago called The Dangerous Development of a Man. And again, in the interest of truth, I think it's important to point out the fact that God does not completely shield his beloved from trials and temptations. This is the kind of stuff that will keep you. This, This may not excite you, but it'll keep you. Because when you're having an off day, you're having an off week, You're having an off year? (laughs) You're like, it's been like an off decade. It's kind of been like an off life. (laughs) You want to know the truth. If you're having an off day, this is what will keep you. It'll keep you grounded. Because God doesn't shield us. He does not exempt his children from the furnace of affliction. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. He does not spare us from pain. He does not spare us from pain. Sometimes life is going to be hard. 
Sometimes living for God is going to be hard. If you want to go to hell, it's easy. Do nothing. Just be like the flotsam in the oceans and just float along and go along and get along. If you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have to fight for some things. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. You're going to have to fight for some stuff. You're going to have to have backbone. You're going to have to have some faith. And, and, and I'm preaching to the choir because you're here today. You're the ones that have endured the storms of life. You're the ones that have gone through the adversity. You are the ones that have suffered losses and had crosses. You are the one who knows what it is to weep into the dark of the night and say weeping, oh, it's going to endure for a night. But I know, I know at some point I'm going to dry these tears and joy is going to come in the morning. Joy is going to come again. The sun will rise. The darkness will leave. And, and I'm going to be free again of this. Uh, temporary situation in my life. Uh, but what's the strategy? How do I do it? How do I grit my teeth? How do I grin and bear it? How do I get through it? I get through it by saying, Oh God, be not far from me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You, you can take anything else you want from me. You can take my riches. You can take my stuff. Uh, you can take my friends. You can take a lot from me, Lord. But the one thing that I cannot live this life without is don't take your Holy Ghost from me. Don't be far from me, oh God. Be near. May your presence be close to me, oh God. Because if you're with me, I can go through anything in life. I know if I've got the blessing of God in my life, I can go through anything. If God be for us, uh, who can be against us? I can make it, Lord, if you're with me. I can get through this uh, if you're on my side. I'm going to make it through this trial and I'm going to come through on the other side because uh, I know that my Redeemer liveth. <laughs> I know he's real and I know he'll keep me he's gonna keep me hallelujah we missed a flight last Tuesday we were uh, it was actually Monday plan on flying home we were away on our 30th anniversary by the way <laughs> So our flight got pushed out, and uh, it was supposed to be like 6 o'clock, and then they pushed it out. It was supposed to be earlier in the day. Then they pushed it out 6 o'clock, and then they told us to get at the airport. So we got at the airport early, then they pushed it out 7 o'clock, then they pushed it out to 8 o'clock, then they pushed it out to 11 o'clock. We've been sitting in the airport since, I think, 6.30, 7 o'clock. And after sitting there for about five hours, they... Uh, they finally, you could see the flight crew was coming off and people are agitated, irritated, ticked off. And uh, so we're dealing with the flight crew. The flight, some of them are leaving the plane and, and what have you. And, and uh, they had been on the, they had been, the, the flight crew had been working for 20 hours and FAA regulations, all these different things. They were trying to lobby to be able to get us on the flight and get us home. So at, I think, 11.15, after five hours sitting in the airport, they finally canceled the flight. A lot, of, a lot of people are just 
I mean, it's like, you know, mob mentality. Like, it's like, it's, it's like a tinderbox. So I wait for somebody to throw a little something in the middle of it. And I got to admit, I was, I was uh, aggravated. I was aggravated. And, um, you know, even when you're aggravated, you still got to be a Christian. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, there's, there's a right way to. So I went up to the desk, and, I t- and there was a bunch of crowd there, and I said, um, couldn't, I said, first off, I said, this isn't your fault. I understand this. So I'm not angry at you because I understand this isn't your fault. I said, but couldn't somebody in leadership at some point have made this determination because they've been on the flight for 20 hours? Couldn't they have made this decision like at five o'clock so that we didn't have to sit around here? So I vented in a Christian way. And you could just, the, the disgust, the disappointment, the anger and, and all that. And I have an irritating tendency, and I admit it. I admit it. When those kind of, once, once it's like I realize the reality of a situation, this is just me. I think I irritate my family at sometimes. I, I definitely irritated my wife. There's no doubt about it. Because I'm like, once that happens, I'm like, quit whining about it. It's like, Okay. That's the reality. Here we go. Okay, let's process it. I get it. We're upset. Shouldn't have happened. Okay, we're mad. Be mad. Okay, we're mad. Okay, let's get over it now. It's all done. Because people live in anger over stupid little things. And at the end of the day, this is, this is just my approach to life. You can like it, not like it, just me. My approach to life is like this. It's like these are first world problems. This is a first world problem. So... We got an Uber. They Ubered us out of there. And uh, we ended up at a hotel 20, 20 minutes away. It's, it's literally, it's December the 4th. It's our anniversary day. So we're sitting in the airport all day. We end up in the, in the hotel. It's, now it's 1130. And the guy behind the desk says, we're out of rooms. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is my 30th anniversary today. <laughs> and he's like... Yeah, he's shared shock that we've been married 30 years. He's like, that's incredible. They made, they made room for us. It really, it really, but the truth is, it was, it was not really a massive problem. It was an inconvenience, right? In fact, the guy that picked us up was from uh, Haiti, from Haiti. And I had the coolest drivers. We had the coolest Uber drivers. He was from Haiti. And I, and I asked him the question. I said, man, what are airports like in Haiti? <laughs> He's like, you have no idea. It's like violence and people are dying. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's a war-torn nation. And I'm like, oh, so it's, it's, this ain't too bad. <laughs> All the more reason to be irritated at my annoyingness. This isn't too bad. I mean, okay, this could be worse. And then the guy that picked us up in the morning in the Uber and took us back was from uh, Cuba. Cuba. And he's like, yeah, man, it's a, I love my country. I love Cuba. He's dual citizenship, and he works. You know, he goes back. He's got a home there that he paid like $5,000 or $5, for in Cuba, and he's, he's all this. And, yeah, my, my father-in-law, uh, I said, how'd you end up here? He said, well, my, my wife's dad was, was in prison for like 15 years. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, and uh, Fidel Castro didn't like him. And if you live in Cuba, you don't want Fidel at the time to not like you. So he ends up in America. What are you saying? I'm just saying it was a disappointment. But what do we do when real trouble comes? 
What do we do when there's a terminal illness? What do we do when there's devastating depression? What do we do when there's economic collapse? Genuine poverty. I, I don't, there, there may be maybe one or two in this building. Not many people have experienced literally not having enough money for groceries and your children are hungry and they've been that way for, for days and the cupboards are bare and, and our children went to bed hungry again. We, we as a nation, most of us here have, have not known the societal turmoil of war. We, we don't know. Can I tell you something here this morning? Everything is a test. Everything is a test. How am I going to, what am I going to do with this situation in my life? I don't know about you. I do not like failing tests. I just don't. I don't. I got an aversion to failing tests. You know why? Because if you fail a test, you've got to go back and take the same test. If you fail the test, you got to go back to the same test. And if you fail the test, you go back to the same test. I don't want to be stuck in third grade. Some things I want to get past. Some things I want to get beyond. David had troubles that troubled him. He had terrible troubles in his life. But he, in the end, he knew the desperation that comes from a heart that says, oh, but God, don't be far from me. I'm going through a terrible time in life, David would say, and it hurts, it's hard. But Lord, it'll be harder if you aren't with me. I need you, God. I need you, Lord. Be not far from me, oh God. Don't leave my side. Lord, I want you close. I don't know about you, but I don't want God at a distance in my life. I don't want God at arm's length in my life. I don't want him to ever throw me away. I don't ever want him to be far from me. There's a lot of things I can handle in life, but the one thing I can't handle is him being a million miles from me. I'm holding to the promise that says I'll never leave thee and I'll never forsake thee. Oh God, whatever happens in my life, don't be distant from me, Lord. Whatever happens, Lord, don't withdraw from my life. Uh, I can't feel you right now, God. You ever been there before? I can't feel you right Right now, I'm going through a dry time in life right now. I'm going through a wilderness experience in my life right now. I feel like I'm flying blind in my life right now. It's in these moments, you know what we do? We cry out to God and we say, Lord, come on, let it vent from our heart. Be not far from me, oh God, be not far from me. I need you close in my life. Uh, I need you near because if you're near, Lord, anything is possible. Help me, oh Lord. Help me, oh God. I'm not looking for money. I'm not looking for popularity. My finger's not in the wind. I'm not looking for popular opinion. I'm not going anywhere, God. I'll never leave you, Lord. Just please don't ever leave me. Amen. Amen. Psalm 22, he says, Be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. It was an admission that he makes here that God was the source of his strength. Yes. Oh, Lord, oh, my strength, hasten thee to help. He's like, okay, God, hurry up. <laughs> hasten, Lord, hurry up, Lord. I sure would appreciate it if you'd kind of speed things up because I need help right now. 
Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog, my soul, my inner person, the real me. I need you to deliver my soul, O God. Save me from the lion's mouth. For thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. What in the world? You're like, there are unicorns. That word in the Hebrew means a wild buffalo, a wild ox, a wild ox. He's talking about like, like predatory, aggressive animals are after him. You ever been to the zoo? You ever seen the lions, the tigers, the bears, oh my? You seen all that? Yeah, they're scary. He's saying they're, they're there and they're trying to tear apart my soul. He's saying, save me from the lion's mouth. I can feel the heat. I smell the stench. The enemy is breathing all over me. The enemy is close. But God, I need you to be closer than what the enemy is. The, 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 the wild ox, the wild buffalo, the dogs. You ever been bit by a dog? It's no fun. Snarling enemy is there. He's all around me. But he's saying, God, if you'll deliver me, God, if you'll help me, if you'll not be far from me, Lord, I can make it through this situation. If you will not be far from me. He says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. What's he saying here? I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. I'll stay in church. I'll wait on God. Far too many people walk away. We got too many empty chairs here in this building here this morning. Too many empty chairs. People that used to walk with God that don't walk with God anymore. You've got to determine your life. That isn't going to be me. That's not going to be me. That's not who I am. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stay in church. I will yet be praising thee. I'm going to gather with God's people. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm going to praise. I'm going to do what I've always done. And, and I'm going to pray the prayer, be not far from me, O God. Because I know, Lord, if you come close to me, if you will be present in my life, that your presence, it means everything. It is the defining factor. If God will show up, if his victory is here, come on, somebody. If his power shows up, if the Holy Ghost manifests, here's what we know, that if the presence of God will manifest here, near, now with us, uh, that he can turn it all around in a moment. Uh, what I'm dealing with, God, if he shows up with his favor, with his power, with his presence, with his person, with his blessings, uh, if God shows up, Everything can change. If God shows up, it can be different. If God shows up, the light can shine again. If God shows up, uh, my bondage can become deliverance. If God shows up, my pain can be healed. If God shows up, uh, everything can change. If God shows up. This was a source of David's confidence, man. He was he's bold. He's right. He walked out there. You come to me with this and that, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. He stands up against a nine-foot giant. You think he was afraid? He had God on his side. 
He wasn't afraid of Goliath. He had friends that were disloyal. He faced death. The greatest nightmare in David's life, Psalm 51 tells us, after he'd screwed up in a colossal way. And he's praying this deep heart of repentance. I think the crux of it all, he says, but God, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Oh, God, I've screwed up so bad. Oh, God, I messed up horrible. Oh, God, I don't deserve anything but judgment. Oh, God, but whatever you do, Lord, I can face anything in life, but don't take your spirit from me, God. I can go through anything in life, Lord. I can face heartache and pain, but I can't face the idea that you're not with me. Be not far from me, oh God, be not far from me, oh God, be not far. This is going to get a little serious for a minute, all right? Do you know what hell is? You know what hell is? You know what hell is? Let me give you a Bible verse. I don't want to give you my opinion. I want to give you a Bible verse. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8. And flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You know what hell is? People say torment. They say it's suffering. It's, oh, the demons are there. And, that, and really, that's, that's, that's not it. That's a byproduct. You know what hell is? Hell is separation from God. Puts a shiver in my spine. Hell is separation from God. If you take the farthest most place, it's where God is no longer. I don't have time for the theological discussion. But people say, how could a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't send people to hell. Listen, people choose hell. They choose hell. He is not willing that any would perish. You say, prove it. Okay, it's called the cross. Liquid love that flowed. He so much didn't want people to go into a place of separation that he came from heaven to earth, manifested in the flesh, so that we did not have to live separated from God. Don't you dare indict God. How could a loving God? No. People go to hell because they live their life in such a way that says, I don't want God in my life. I don't want God in my life. I don't want God in my life. I want to party. I don't want God in my life. I, I, want to, I want to have sex with whoever I want, whenever I want, however I want. I don't want God in my life. I want to get high. I don't want God in my life. I want to do what I want to do. I don't need God in my life. And, and, and what God says is, because God's so fair and just, God says, okay, if that's what you want, that's what I'll give you. And hell is a byproduct of a life of a person that says they don't want God. It says they shall be destroyed from the presence of the Lord. 
That's the farthest extremity. That's the ultimate end design of a person, no God in their life. <laughs> That's why I want to be the opposite direction. <laughs> oh, God, I want your presence. I need you, Lord. I need you, Jesus. I need you. That's why I pray. That's why I seek the Lord. That's why I get on my knees. Come on, church. Let's not get away from that. That's why I get on my knees sometimes and humble myself before, because, God, I need you. You're the boss. I'm the applesauce. You're the king. I'm the servant. You're the mighty one. I'm just a human. Lord, you're awesome. I need you in my life. That's why I humble myself, because, God, I need you in my life. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. I want you in my life. I need you in my life. You are God. You are good. And I love you. You have loved me, and so I will love you, my God. Amen. Final scripture I'll bring to you. The music can come, please. James chapter 4, verse number 8. Notice what it says. You know, David said, be not far from me, right? You know, I think that is also representative of the desire of God for us. What do you mean by that? In the same way that David said, be not far from me, I believe the heartbeat of God, are you ready? The heartbeat of God is that God would say to us, be not far from me. You realize that? God doesn't want you far from him. He wants to be close to you. It's a fantastic scripture in James 4 and 8. I'm just going to read a portion of it. Are you ready? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. That word for God is theos. Theos. Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. It's the same. I, I wanted to look at the verbiage here and just check it out, dissect it a little bit. And when I looked at the Greek, this is not profound. It's very simple, actually. But it's the same word. Draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. It's the same word. It's the same, same thing. Same thing, same thing. Nothing different about that. Isn't that awesome? What that's saying is that God will do for you what you're doing for him. Does it make sense? If you draw near to God, he'll do the same thing with you. He'll draw near to you. If you take a step toward God, he'll take a step toward you. If you reach out to the Lord... He'll reach out to you. That's awesome. That's awesome. If, if, if you can understand that today, if there's a thousand steps between you and God, all he wants you to do is to take a step toward him, and he'll take a step toward you. You step toward God, he'll step toward you. I would say this, and I'm, I'm closing with this thought, that I think the ultimate aim of the church ought to be, one of the ultimate aims of the church ought to be, to teach people how to draw close to God.
Because if you have God in your life and he's walking with you and he's leading you and he's in your life every day, man, I'm just telling you, it's, it's going to be a good life that's going to end in eternal life. So how do, this thing called drawing near to God, how do we do that? Can somebody say humility? What is humility? Saying I need God, right? Saying I need God. That means I'm going to act like it. So I mentioned earlier, sometimes you just, you, you, sometimes just, if you don't know what else to do, just find a place and just kneel down. Just kneel, kneel somewhere. And close your eyes and just press all the distractions out of the way and begin to cry out to God. God, I need you in my life. Jesus, I heard this message here today. And Lord, I don't want you far from me. Be close to me, Lord. I need you in my life, Jesus. Get emotional about it if you feel like it. Be, it's okay. Be emotional. God, I, here's where I'm at. Life sucks right now. I hate life. Life isn't what I want it to be. Get real with God. Lord, I need you in my life. Humble yourself before the Lord. I just tell you in my personal life, there's, there's, it happened this week. I had a terrible week, you all know the truth. Terrible week. Wah. But when, when that happens, what I know is I need to spend more time on my face. I need more time on my face. I don't mean on my knees. I mean on my face. I need to lay out before the Lord. Oh, I need you, God, in my life. I need you. And you know what? Without fail in those seasons, he comes close. He comes close. This is what worship is about. Worship is not just the, the quality of the song or that one I like or don't like. It's, worship is factoring out everything else that's in my life. I just, God, I need you today. I need you in my life today. I need you. I love you. You're good to me. I praise you. Focusing everything else out. That's called drawing nigh to God. And when you draw nigh to God, he draws near unto you. Amen? I don't know if I should be done when you're done. Are you done? Are you ready to pray? Are you ready to praise?